Welcome to the Core Principles Podcast. Thank you for tuning in, and we hope you'll enjoy this lively discussion of relevant topics, which we attempt to examine through the lens of unchanging objective truth. Here's the host of the Core Principles Podcast, Clay Howerton. Thank you, Suzanne. Today on Core Principles, I'm delighted to welcome one of my favorite people on earth, an incredibly smart and remarkably wise young woman, a beautiful singer, an all-around great person, my niece, Brooke Lanning. How are you doing, Brooke? I'm doing good. How about you? Great. Thank you. Well, I'm really happy that we're finally doing this, and I've been celebrating the release of your new single, Not Twice, later in the show, with your kind permission. We're going to play that amazing song for our audience. Of course, but yeah. First, I'd like to uh, have the audience get to know you. And so let's talk about your background. You were a military brat with the emphasis on brat. And your dad is a retired Air Force colonel. Where were the most interesting or fun places that you lived when you were growing up? Top of the list for me is 100% Japan. Um, not many people, I, I'm sure, can say that they lived in Japan. Uh, I got to live there for two years. Um, you know, I, I was young enough to where I experienced everything from a kid's perspective. So things I'm sure seemed a lot bigger to me or, you know, the snow seemed like a blizzard to me. But I do remember all of it. So it was it was a really fun experience. And I think that it was part of what makes me culturally diverse is being able to experience that as well as other places like New Mexico um, versus living in like Ohio and Virginia. Um, so moving all around really gave me a good chance to diversify myself. Um, but I would definitely have to say Japan. Um, one of my favorite things about living in Japan at that time, uh, I was five, so I had white blonde hair and big blue eyes. And um, I remember we landed in the airport and we were walking through the airport and everyone was staring at me and I was kind of freaked out because my parents, you know, taught me stranger danger and stuff. So I was like, oh, I don't like the way they're looking at me. <laughs> um, but we were informed later that um, in Japan, if the Japanese come across someone who has naturally light eyes and light hair, it's considered lifelong good luck. So, um, you know, I was basically like a little celebrity walk around people would stop me and ask me to take pictures with me or touch my hair or something like that so that they could have that lifelong good luck so that was pretty cool and totally not creepy at all for strangers right. to come touch your hair right exactly no i was i was freaked out for a prop probably a couple months but then after it i was just like oh yeah that's fine whatever <laughs> Now, hopefully they didn't go all Biden and start sniffing your hair, though. That would be gross. No, no one sniffed me, thankfully. No That's one sniffed good. me. Boku wa nehongo hanasa koto ga degimasu which means uh, I can speak Japanese, but I'm still relatively poor at it. Uh, I didn't live there, but I was there for a few weeks as an exchange student from the Air Force Academy. Awesome. It's very interesting. So did you watch the new Bullet Train movie and did it make you laugh? I did not. So I don't know if it would have made me laugh. It would. It's ridiculous. Okay. But audience is also horrifically violent, so might not be for everybody. Well, 
just like your dad, I was also in the Air Force and uh, had a couple of assignments with your dad. Uh, in fact, he and I were roommates at the Air Force Academy. Now, your Aunt Dar and I were visiting you when you were just about to turn three years old. And you asked me the most incredible question about my deployment to what you called Danistan. Do you remember what you asked me about my time there? I think I said something about, do you have to kill any bad guys in Danistan? Yes, that was exactly what you asked me before you were three years old. Did you kill any (laughs) bad guys? No idea what prompted such a question, but that blew my mind. (laughs) (laughs) Well, so you've always been ahead of the curve, Brooke, in terms of uh, sort of how you think. You think deeply, you think profoundly, and both of your parents, they'll probably listen to this and I shouldn't acknowledge this fact, but they have really high IQs. So uh, we won't give them credit for that because they're also weird, but yes, uh, have you felt a lot of pressure uh, to live up to how smart they are? Did you just naturally apply yourself to learning? Definitely. So um, it's a lot less of living up to them, but more of living up to my brother because um, my brother, Luke, he is very, very smart. And um, I am envious of how naturally um, things like school come to him. And uh, he's just always been very intelligent, Um, you know, and he is now at pilot training. He just graduated from the Air Force Academy. Um, He's going to be a fighter pilot. So he's working on that right now. And I think for me, it's intimidating to have, you know, that be my older brother and have him set that bar really high. Um, I mean, he was probably three when he decided he wanted to become an astronaut and he's still on that path. Like he, his end goal is to be an astronaut at NASA. And the fact that he, you know, at 22 is achieving the thing that he said he wanted to do when he was so young is, you know, to me, it's like, wow, he really has his stuff together. And I'm, I'm more all over the place, I guess. I think that when I apply myself, it comes out like my intelligence and stuff. And I think that the way that my intelligence comes out is probably less traditional than um, the way that my dad or my, my brother, the way that they, you know, express that. Um, I would say that mine is more in like critical thinking or problem solving or creativity. Whereas, um, you know, Luke got like a, some ridiculously high, SAT score and ACT score. And so that is where he shines versus me. I do more um, creative things and think outside the box in terms of that. So yeah, it's it's definitely a, a bar that has been set, but I think that it's trying to do a limbo under a pole vault bar. So it's a very yeah. good picture there. Well, uh, I'll back that up in terms of your creative thinking and outside the box, because uh, when I was in school, I went through speech and debate, and I thought I could make an argument and defend an argument. But I learned when you were really young, and I still know this to be true, never, ever, ever go into a debate against Brooke Lanning. You will lose. So that's, that's a good skill that you have. Yes. Did you ever consider, like your dad and your brother, 
uh, going in the military? I think when I was like 12, Luke and my parents had started discussing different um, college options for him. And, um, you know, he was looking at a couple different ones, but the Air Force Academy was on that list. And, um, you know, my parents would ask me, you know, oh, are you interested in doing that? And I would always tell them no. But um, I, th- I, th- I did think about it. I took the time to think about it and consider it. And I just, even if I did really well in like every other aspect of it, they would not be able to get me up at four in the morning. <laughs> that that would not go well. Them trying to wake me up at four in the morning and yelling at me. That I yeah. So that was that was out of the <laughs> out of the question. But I, you know, I have thought about it since Luke has also you know been in the Air Force Academy. And I think that it's a really good environment for him, but I don't think that I would do too well with that um, personally. But I know that for him, it was a really great experience and he made a lot of really good friends out of it um, that he's very close with. So I think for him, it suited him very well. Um, But for me, I don't think that would be the case. Well, there's wisdom in what you said there, Brooke, because when your dad and I were at the academy, what we observed was, uh, you know, approximately a third of every class leaves. And the third that leaves are those people whose reason for being there was someone else's reason. And just 100%, if you didn't go because it was your goal, say goodbye. Because anyone could do it, but why would you unless you had that goal? Well, I'm sure your dad probably has shared with you, he's talked about uh, not being able to wake up the time when we were roommates that he tried to wake me up for a retreat ceremony and he had to literally jump on top of the bed and kick and shake me to, uh, to try to stir me. Uh, when I sleep, I sleep with a purpose. (laughs) (laughs) Well, when did you first know, Brooke, that you were interested in singing? And in particular, when did you first realize that you'd be interested in singing in public? I have been singing ever since I can remember. Like, probably ever since I could talk, I've been singing. I remember sitting in Auntie's car and singing Carrie Underwood at the at the top of my lungs. I think it's called I Know You Won't. But And I, I did I did get some of the lyrics wrong. But <laughs> I, I remember doing that and having a lot of fun doing it. And it was something that I enjoyed. That's why I'm so grateful that I have that talent because it's something that I love doing and it's something that comes naturally to me. And so I feel very much in my element and I feel like I don't have to worry about, I guess, disappointing in that versus like other aspects of life. There's always that fear of, um, disappointing. But, um, when it comes to that, I, it's something I love doing. I, you know, when I practice, it's, it's not really practicing. It's just me singing because I like to sing. The interest of singing has definitely been there since I was very, very young. Um, and then singing in public. I know that I sang a little bit in public. I think I got a solo at three at church or something like that. So, but I think I was a lot more brave when I was younger. (laughs) Um, I don't think I really realized the magnitude of, you know, what I was doing. And then when I was in 
either fourth or fifth grade, I sang the national anthem at my dad's change of command. And it was terrifying. <laughs> it was. Um, it was very, very terrifying. But it helped knowing that everyone there wanted me to do well. You know, and that's something that I feel every time that I perform somewhere. No one wants me to fail. Everyone wants me to do well. And so, you know, knowing that they aren't waiting for me to mess up or anything like that, it helps to put me at ease somewhat. Typically before a performance, like either the national anthem or doing an open mic somewhere, I feel very nervous. Why do I let myself do this? Why did I get talked into this? I don't feel great. And then, but after the performance, I always feel really good. Like I, I feel great. I'm all of my worries are for nothing. And I know that realistically, but in the moment it's, it's very terrifying and it seems very, very real. But afterwards, I'm always very happy that I chose to do that performance and um, that's why I keep signing up to do more is because of the that feeling like right after I finish and it's it's always nice to get approval from other people so you know when when an audience claps for me or cheers for me it it feels great yeah it feels amazing well now people hear you say that you've sung the national anthem like at your dad's change of command and then maybe some other venues they may not recognize what you're also saying is that you have sung the national anthem in front of major league baseball and uh, major college sports and tens of thousands of people at a time. Uh, what is the difference then when you're in a small setting and when it's just an overwhelmingly huge setting? Is there a big difference or is it all the same? So I feel like my answer to this question is something that a lot of people would not expect. I actually feel a lot more pressure when there's a small audience because whenever I'm singing in front of a small audience, it feels much more personal because if I'm singing at a family gathering, not only do all of those people know me, but they're all sitting close enough so I can see their faces and they can see mine. And, you know, I feel like, that's a lot more personal. And I feel like I have actual people watching me versus when I sang for the FCC, which was about two or three months ago, I think there was 27,000 people there. So a lot of people and that, that did make me very nervous, but it's easier to detach myself personally from the situation because I'm not staring at people's faces and realizing that they're staring at me I actually do something kind of odd um, when I sing for large crowds like that. I pick a spot either on a wall or, you know, a part of the stadium, not a person. And I just focus on that point. And I am basically just singing to the wall. And what that helps me do is to kind of detach myself from what's happening, really, the reality of it. Um, and I'm just like, I'm just singing to this wall. And I kind of go on autopilot a little bit. Um, I mean, not completely, but I do kind of just try to let myself, I try to trust myself that I know what I'm doing and I know the words and it's muscle memory at this point because I've done it so much. Because I find if, I, if I'm if i thinking about, you know, oh, you're going to mess up the words and make sure you remember the words that you're supposed to say, 
that is when I almost mess up the words versus if I don't think about that at all, it's not a problem. So I try to stay out of my own head when it comes to those things. I think that makes a lot of sense, even though I've never done what you do, but I was picturing someone like Sean White doing uh, freestyle snowboarding. And some of those guys, they always look like they're so relaxed that they're about to fall over just in a puddle because they're really uh, as relaxed as you could be, even though they're doing things that are terrifying. So uh, I understand right. what you're saying. That's very wise. Well, I don't want to get controversial, but there was some controversy during some anthem singing and performances over the past few years. Did that affect you in any way, Brooke, when there were sort of demonstrations happening around the anthem? Did you experience that and did it affect you? Right. So I personally did not um, see any of that happening at any of the games that I sang at. And it did it did affect me because um, obviously before each game during that period of time, I was nervous that that would happen. And I guess I was scared that maybe they would take me singing, like performing as offensive. And that was, you know, the last thing that I wanted to come across. You know, I just, I just was there to sing the national anthem for a sports game and have a good time. And so I was, I was, I did not experience that, which I don't know how I would have felt about that because I don't know if I would have taken that personally or if I would have um, seen it more objectively and be like, okay, well, the, you know, this is the time that's occurring right now. This is what's happening. Um, you know, it's not, it hasn't only happened to me. So clearly it's not personal, but I think I would have struggled with that if, um, if I did experience that, but I, I did not experience that during any of the performances that I've done. Well, we're talking with Brooke Lanning and, Shortly on this episode, we're going to hear her brand new single, Not Twice. Brooke, you've written some of your own songs and you've uh, performed cover versions of some other people's songs. I wanted to ask if there were some artists who influenced you or whose music gave you ideas that you wanted to experiment with. Yeah, definitely. I would say some big ones for me were Billie Eilish, Olivia Rodrigo, Tate McRae. They're, you know, more pop singers, but also kind of alternative in the in just meaning that they kind of do their own thing. And it is popular, but it's popular because they were unique and people liked that. And so that's why it became popular because I don't I don't want to make a song that sounds like every other song. I don't want to become mainstream by doing the same thing that everyone else is doing. You know, I don't want to look off someone else's paper and then get credit for it. I want to do my own thing. And if that means that I don't go mainstream because I'm doing my own thing and I'm being different, that's fine. But if I did, if I was able to make it mainstream, I think that that would be a lot more special, you know, making it by doing my own thing than um, doing what everyone else is doing. That's right. Shakespeare was ahead of all of us. He said, to thine own self be true. And it applies to a lot of things, just like your creative output. You didn't mention Taylor Swift, but this old guy hears a little bit of Taylor Swift 
in the lyrics of Not Twice. Yes. Yeah, I would say early Taylor Swift. Not country, but not current Taylor Swift. More like the the middle phase. Now, I know that musicians and singers often collaborate and help one another. Some people might think it's really competitive, but you mentioned people wanting you to succeed. And I think that includes other musicians and people who have gone through what you go through in the creative process. Now, we have a mutual friend uh, whom you met several years ago. She was hosting an open mic here in Paducah, Kentucky, and she performs as Late July. Listeners, you should definitely check out Late July. And in fact, you do every time you listen to this show because her music is used as the theme song for Core Principles. Now, Brooke, what kind of assistance or encouragement was uh, she able to give you? Uh, this was before you had started performing Yes. Were there other singers like her that you got to know that that helped you? She definitely had a huge impact on me. She was very encouraging. She would offer up her time and her stage to me um, so that I could experience that and, and get some practice being in front of a crowd and not only being in front of a crowd, but being in front of people that were supportive because, you know, the kind of people that go to her events are always kind and supportive. I'd see a lot of that, you know, they want you to do well. She's definitely one of those people that has inspired me and um, encouraged me. And just seeing how kind she was to me so quickly also was um, very touching. I think that I performed with her one time and then I got into my skiing accident and I tore my ACL and my MCL and I had my knee reconstruction surgery and I remember getting a box in the mail and I opened it up and um, it was this metal fortune cookie and I opened it up on the inside and there was a very sweet message from her and it was just I I remember I started crying (laughs) because um, I don't know I just I didn't know that people like her existed. I, I didn't think that kind-hearted people were a real thing, unfortunately, because there are a lot of people that are not like that. But I am very, very fortunate that she is a very good friend of mine and that she opened herself up and was so kind to me. And I think I, I first met her either when I was 13 or 14. And I'm so glad that I still know her now at 19 years old. And i plan on knowing her for the rest of my life um, because she is very, very amazing and um, she's made a huge impact on me and I I hope that I can um, be like her. She's definitely a role model for me. Well, that meeting that you had at age 13 was uh, because I took you to a bar and a brewery <laughs> to see <Yes>. her. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> that's the kind of uncle I am, is taking a 13-year-old to a bar. Well, one of the songs that you've written, Brooke, you chose Not Twice as the first when you had an opportunity to work with a professional producer. Uh, So as we get ready now, I've been teasing this the whole episode, to listen to Not Twice. So are there any fun facts you want to throw out there about your writing or the performing of this song? So I wrote this song in six minutes. So I, when I write a song, I don't really, it's not like I you know, write something down and then come back to it. I basically word vomit. I picked up my ukulele and I strummed out some chords and I was like, oh, that would that would sound really good 
for a song. And then I, um, what I did is I took my phone and I hit record. And then I basically just played the, the chords over and over again until I thought of, you know, the first couple words of the song and then just kind of went from there. And then when I listened back to it, I would, you know, maybe change a word or two that I think would fit better because I want to make sure that I'm, that all of the music that I write, I'm completely saying how I feel and that I'm not just choosing the easiest word. I want to make sure that the listener knows exactly what I mean. So I do take my words very seriously when it comes to writing the lyrics and everything, but I wrote it in about six minutes and I believe I was 15 years old when I wrote the song. So there's some context for that. Well, that's awesome. And now as we're about to play this for the listeners, that's just going to blow their minds because uh, the word I would describe the, the writing of the lyrics is tight. They really do communicate. They're fun. They're clever. And they're, they're tight. It's, it's an economy of words. And I really appreciate that. So here it is, listeners. The song is called Not Twice by Brooke Lanning. It's available on Spotify and YouTube. And after we hear the song, I'm going to ask Brooke to give you instructions on how you can find it, where you can find it. I know you're going to love it. Here it goes.
Bravo, bravo. That's a great, fun, clever song. Uh, thank you for sharing it with us, Brooke. Uh, I know listeners are going to want to know how can I hear that whenever I want. So would you please give us the instructions of how to find Not Twice? Yes. So it is available on any streaming platform. Um, so you could either use Spotify and look up Not Twice by Brooke Lanning, or you could go to YouTube, YouTube Music, Apple Music, iTunes, any music streaming platform, it will be on there. And then you, if you just look up Not Twice, you can find that. Um, it will say by Brooke Lanning, or you could look up me as an artist, Brooke Lanning, and it will also pop up with Not Twice. Very good. Now, I'm sure our listeners also want to know as we wrap up this episode, what is next for Brooke Lanning? I am working on producing another one of my songs currently. Um, so that one should be out within a month or two. Um, and then from there, I'm going to produce a couple more that I have. I'm currently working on writing some new stuff. So it's definitely the launch of my artist career. It's, it's exciting. Yeah, it's very exciting. Hopefully lots of new stuff coming your way. I'm looking forward to it. Of course, I am completely biased and everyone can hear that because of course I've loved you your entire life. I'm sure listeners yes. will agree though, that we're all cheering you on to great success and happiness. So thank you for being on core principles, Brooke Lanning. Yeah. Thank you. Core principles podcast is produced in Paducah, Kentucky by real productions. Music is by late July. L-E-I-G-H-T July. You can find our music on all streaming services or at latejuly.com. Thank you for joining us today for this episode of the Core Principles Podcast. Please visit core.buzzsprout.com for more information and please share with your friends. We look forward to visiting with you again on our next episode.